0: You just watching episode four Serenity and Firefly. I'm Daniel Lewis.
1: And I'm Eve Franklin.
0: Welcome to the one and only podcast that gives you critical thinking for the entertained Christian. We have an exciting show planned today. Oh, yes. Lots to do. Yeah. And uh, before we get into that, though, I want to mention that we've had some exciting things on the website that you've been writing.
1: Yes. You want to
0: mention a little bit about that?
1: Yes. I've been blogging uh, a few posts at a time, actually a single post at a time on the Twilight Saga by Stephanie Meyer and just kind of pointing out some things that I saw in the books that were worth mentioning. So I'm I'm hoping people are enjoying that because I'm enjoying doing it.
0: Mm -hmm. I've already heard from some people and they are liking it. And I haven't read Twilight. I haven't seen the movie. I'm not sure if I will because everyone tells me it's a movie for girls and it's a book series for girls. So I don't know if I ever... I'll probably see the movie, but that might be as far as I go. But I have enjoyed reading the blogs and uh, seeing... Some of the aspects of it that you're pulling out from a, a Christian critical thinking perspective, even though I'll probably never read the books. <laughs> so it's been good. And also, I want to mention that uh, it's kind of old news by now, but Battlestar Galactica ended, completely ended, their final series finale finale. And it had a lot of very interesting things to it. And I'm not going to just spoil the ending for anyone else out there that hasn't seen the ending yet.
1: I haven't seen the ending yet. Have actually, you even seen the series? Oh, uh, the first half of the first season a okay. long time ago.
0: <laughs> You've got a lot of catching up to do. but Don't
1: plan to, actually.
0: <laughs> it it contains some very interesting philosophical and even uh, evolutionary and biblical statements at the very end of it that were similar to what I expected, but just a season later. Hmm. So that's vague enough for people to catch. (laughs) We got this email from a listener named Michael that we want to read on the show. And Eve, would you read that?
1: Sure. He says, uh, Daniel and Eve, the biggest issue I have with the modern movie industry is that man is the source of his complete redemption. So often we see the same plot line. Problem comes, someone tries really, really hard, and they win or save the world or get the girl or all three. Here is my list of movies that follow that plot line. Ghostbusters, Independence Day, The Matrix movies, all the star Star Trek movies, and the list goes on and on. And on one hand, one could say that all movies except the Narnia series and The Passion follow this pattern, but some just present it in such a way that we Americans start to think that the real world works that way. I can't think of a single situation in the Bible where trying real hard changed the outcome for the better. In fact, most of the stories are to the contrary. Have fun with the podcast. I love Firefly, and I'm looking forward to the episode.
0: Thanks for your email, Michael, and we really appreciate that. And that brings out some good points that, yeah, a lot of movies do mm-hmm. follow the exact same pattern plotline my brother and i were just talking about that uh, the other day when he was up here visiting is uh, we were talking about this fact that like so many movies have this savior character in some mm-hmm. sense but not always is the savior character a sort of messianic character and what the differences are but yeah hollywood pretty much just uses the same ideas over and over
1: yeah i mean hey if you're not going to believe in a god you have to believe we can save ourselves or if we try really hard we can I mean, how are you going to have good endings? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Although some movies these days are not having good endings.
1: That's true. We we kind of got away from the whole Disney happily ever after.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the movie that I am excited for us to be talking about today is a combination of some of my favorite things growing up, Western movies and science fiction if they threw legos into here it would be just perfect (laughs) and it's the culmination of the tv series firefly the movie was serenity
1: oh yes love this movie
0: wonderful soundtrack by uh, a guy I can't remember right now (laughs) (laughs) David Newman that's who it was (laughs) David Newman So, Serenity, what is Serenity about, the uh, short description of it?
1: Well, this is from the cover of the movie, A Passenger with a Deadly Secret, Six Rebels on the Run. An assassin in pursuit, when the renegade crew of Serenity agrees to hide a fugitive on their ship, they find themselves in an action-packed battle between the relentless military might of a totalitarian... Of a totalitarian regime who will destroy anything or anyone to get the girl back and the bloodthirsty creatures who roam the uncharted areas of space. But the greatest danger of all may be on their ship. From the mind of Joss Whedon, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Angel, and Ballhouse, comes a new edge of the seat adventure loaded with explosive battles, gripping, special effects, and fantastic new worlds.
0: Now, before we get into the critical thinking aspect of this, what do you think of the movie Serenity?
1: I loved it. Yeah. It's it's become one of my top 10 favorite sci-fis, mm-hmm. uh, easily.
0: Yeah, I, I think the they portray a very realistic future. Mm-hmm. And so much of it is very... It's funny to use the phrase down to earth because it's all in space. <laughs> We've left earth. Earth isn't in this. But really, it's... It has a very human connection level, and it's the
1: frontier. It's like mm-hmm. even more so than Star Trek or Star Wars or any of the other science fiction. It really portrays space as a final frontier where you're going out there, and it's just like like you brought up with the whole Western concept. It's like a Western set in space because in, the whole Western was set around a frontier where people men can be men, you mm-hmm. know, and and that's basically all it is. Is it's it's the frontier. It's where rough people go out and be themselves.
0: I like the way that Joss Whedon himself described it is he said this focuses on the people that the enterprise would have passed over. <laughs> Which is great. You know, yeah. this is the common people out in space just trying to make a living. I liked the storyline of it. I liked the combination of you know, American pastime ideas mm-hmm. just put into space and the characters. I mean, I think almost anything with Adam Baldwin in it is bound to get my like because he's such a cool character. He plays Jane in this, the muscle in it. And he's also in Chuck and was in the original series, Firefly. And he's, he's a cool guy. I like him. Jeff, one of our other listeners who has his own homeschooling podcast wrote in or rather than writing in he sent us an audio feedback that helps us get a little bit of an overview of some of the characters and rather than us explaining all of the characters way and everything i think he does a great job with this so yeah. i'm gonna play his clip through we'll probably pause this and along the way to make a couple
2: comments but here is jeff from Indie. Hey, even Daniel, this is Jeff in Indy, and I want to uh, give you a couple comments about Firefly and Serenity, but before I did, I want to talk about your podcast in general. I really enjoy it. If I'm going to hire a plumber to fix my toilet, wow, there's a segue, isn't there? I don't really care if that plumber is a Christian or an atheist or a Wiccan as long as he gets the job done, because what his religious beliefs are don't affect the outcome. However, when you're talking about a novelist, a screenplay writer, or a singer, their thoughts and their worldview absolutely changes the uh, outcome of what they produce. Uh, one example is John Cougar Mellencamp. Listen to his songs in the 80s versus now. They're radically different in tone and what, they're, and what his belief system is. But we're not talking about John Cougar Mellencamp. No, when it comes not. to science fiction writers, <laughs> it not. seems that most science fiction writers nowadays tend to be atheists. Of course, that's a generalization. There are lots of Christian sci-fi writers out now, but the ones that are more prominently known tend to be atheists. Um, some of them just flat out, Philip Pullman wrote The Golden Compass. He wrote it specifically to be an anti-Chronicles of Narnia. You know? And then you have um, ones that are Christian Sci fi writers, of course, C.S. Lewis, uh, his friend J.R.R. Tolkien was a uh, Catholic. And so you have a lot of them that are kind of that are Christian sci fi writers. And then a lot of them are kind of in the middle somewhere where their works aren't specifically about religion, which is a little more dangerous because it kind of sneaks up on you. Um, some examples of that Douglas Adams wrote The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, James Michael Stravinsky wrote Babylon 5 sci-fi TV show, and Josh Whedon. All three of those gentlemen have all said, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in a God. The interesting thing I find about a lot of their writing, though, is they always pair somebody that doesn't believe in God, usually the central character, with somebody who does. Um, in Babylon 5, they routinely had men of the cloth who would show up on the station. And on, on Firefly, you had, in and, and Serenity, you had uh, Shepard Book. And they didn't make those men of the cloth look like idiots or fools or dim-witted morons or anything. They were usually very intelligent, and they usually gave the main character something to think about when they talked, You know, even though the main character usually was of the same opinion as the writer. In this case, Josh Whedon, he's flat out said, Mal is an atheist because I'm an atheist. He said that in interviews, so there's not a lot of a question about where Mal's coming from. Now, Mal got his atheistic belief largely from the Battle of Serenity, where a lot of his uh, uh, men died. When you look at the cast and crew of Serenity, you don't find a lot of redeeming values, quite honestly. I mean, you've got the ones who flat out you know are going to be, um, I won't say trouble, but you've got Nara, who is a Companion. And she doesn't particularly seem to be picky about which gender are her clients. Um, You've got Mal, who, as I said, is an atheist. You have uh, Jane, brilliantly played by Adam Baldwin, who is the muscle on the ship. Even the ones that seem to be the good, quote-unquote, people have their issues. Kaylee has a different side to her that you don't always see, but you do if you've watched all the episodes. And Shepherd Book, even the Man of the Cloth, seems to have had something in his past that hasn't really been completely expanded on, but it's there. Because he seems to know too much, and he's really good with the weapon, I can tell you that. The only ones that seem to be neutral as far as it goes are Zoe and Wash, and Simon and River. Those two couples tend to be fairly neutral when it comes to spiritual beliefs. I don't recall specifically anything they've said one way or another. Looking for redeeming qualities in this in the show I don't really know there are a lot there's certainly a lot to think about and I'll, t- I'll be honest I really did enjoy the series it was a good series I only found out about it a few weeks ago and started watching it and really got hooked pretty fast this is some really good storytelling and that's kind of where it can be dangerous if you're not using critical thinking because it can kind of pull you in and you're not realizing exactly what it is you're seeing and i'm not saying you should not watch any of these shows i really enjoyed firefly and if they revive the tv series i would probably watch it but to do so critically what acts are they trying to grind what is their agenda those are terms i've heard long before i heard the term critical thinking Oh, by the way, um, we have a homeschooling podcast. We're just now getting up and running. If you'd like to listen to that, you can go to uniquelyuspodcast.com. Uh, we talk about our lives and about homeschooling. So if you're interested in that at all, go there. We have a couple episodes up now. It's a little still a little rusty. We're just getting started. But thanks for uh, for the podcast. Talk to you guys later. Bye.
1: And thank you, Jeff, for that wonderful voicemail. We really enjoyed hearing your
0: insights. Yeah, it was long, but I thought he said so many great things in there. I just, and it was such a high quality recording too, because he's got his own podcast studio that he's building up. And thanks for mentioning your podcast there, uniquelyuspodcast.com. I am subscribed to it, and I've commented on it because they talk about Legos in it with their kids. (laughs) And uh, he did a great job of overviewing the characters so there's not too much more i think we can say and
1: even talking about why we need to discuss this movie Mm -hmm. that as much as we love it and i I think we probably should go ahead and mention on our scoring of this movie we both gave it a closed eye and i think it's exactly for the reason that that he commented is that you have to be very careful about uh shows like this and movies Mm -hmm. like this because they do mask some pretty um uh very important issues in in, under entertainment. And and that's the reason we need to discuss this movie because there are some things.
0: Now I was surprised that I've seen this movie now. Now I've seen it three times. I watched it just a few weeks ago before we had even decided to do this for our next episode. And even then I was just watching it as entertainment and enjoying it and mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, I noticed a few things here and there that stood out to me, blatant things. Mm-hmm. But then when I actually sat down recently and started watching it to critically think through it, I was amazed. Oh, yeah. I took two pages of notes, just quotes and stuff. From
1: I know. It. And I kept pausing it every every other minute, it seemed like, or sometimes even every 30 seconds yeah. with a with a quote. Oh, I got to have that quote, you know. So, yeah, there's there's a yeah, lot of It
0: just shows that. It helps us to remember that you know these movies are for entertainment, and we i you know if you 're going to going to be entertained by these movies that 's between you and God of what movies that you will watch mm-hmm. and such but I would say if you 're going to critically think through these movies, enjoy the movie first mm-hmm. just you know let let yourself enjoy it and then go back and watch it again and think through it critically because if Mm -hmm. you try and think through it critically the first time you're
1: never going to get through the movie and enjoying
0: it but then the more often that you practice specifically Mm -hmm. thinking through it critically asking those questions about it watching for certain things they say and watching for underlining meanings the more often you practice that practice that specifically the more Easily, you'll be able to do that on the fly while you're watching it the first time, without even trying to. Mm -hmm. Things will stand out to you much easier. Yes, it's it's developing our senses really.
1: I think Daniel and I are getting there slowly because we haven't been doing this that long either. So.
0: Now, uh, Eve mentioned the scorecard, which we will have on the blog at com, so you can check that out. It will be posted as a separate post because it's so long in itself, but we'll have that linked to from the show notes for this podcast, which will be com slash podcast slash 004. So you can check that out and check out the scorecard for that. Now, Serenity has a lot of references to religion.
1: Yes. Yes. And I think part of that is simply because it is a Western. It's set in space. Hmm. And I think, um, it seems to me that, uh, and maybe this is way Joss Whedon approaches it is that the simple people like you commented earlier, earlier who are living out their lives on the, on the outskirts of civilization, they tend to bring religion with them. And Mm -hmm. I think that, um, a lot of atheists, which Joss Whedon is, believes that religion is a crutch. It's something that simple people use to get through hard lives. And, and so you see that in these settlements where they visit. Um, the, one of the first quotes I have here that I'm going to play is uh, where they're at, at this town on the very outskirts of civilization, and one of the comments they make is about the fact that they are uh, going to do their stealing on a Sunday. We should hit town right during Sunday worship. Won't be any crowds. Okay, so, won't be any crowds, that's because everybody's at church.
0: So, I wonder, who are they worshiping? Now, in the Firefly TV series, we see a little bit more about what this religion is, because Shepard Book, the, like, priest, the Mm -hmm. Christian in the movie, well, I I use that term lightly.
1: Very lightly, Um, yes.
0: Um, He has this book that his, it's his Bible, and we see several parallels between it and the Christian Bible, and yet we also see several things that aren't parallels and stuff that he's talking about. So it makes you wonder, are they saying that like a Christian-like religion is the dominant religion? And yet, I can't remember now if it was actually in the movie or if it was in the extras, but there's a spot where they mention that this is a universe where there's a freedom of religion, Mm-hmm. Which is surprising because most futures, that most uh, science fiction writers write religion out of it.
1: Yeah, it's just like we evolve past the need for yeah. religion. And so. that's
0: even hit on several times mm-hmm. in Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek series, mm-hmm. the whole everything there, that several times they point out that man has grown past his need for religion.
1: Right. And I think, going back to my original statement, that this is a Western people living on the outskirts of society, I think that, uh, at least from the atheistic pr- point of view, they believe that, that simple people use religion as a crutch. And so I think that that's why, they, it, since it, to them it's a frontier, then you have to have people who have faith in something in order to live in a frontier. It um, doesn't necessarily mean that they are right at least from the point of view of the producers or the writers in this instance. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, the movie Serenity itself, I would say it didn't come out too anti-Christian. No. But the TV series, the seventh episode in the very short-lived TV series, was called Janestown. And in there is this clip that is shocking what is going on. Mm -hmm. Here is uh, the... Character River is sitting at a table with a Bible, and she's got a marker, and she's pulling papers out. She's marking up the Bible, and Shepherd Book walks into the room.
2: What are we up to, sweetheart? Fixing your Bible. I, um, what? Bible's broken. Contradictions, false logistics, doesn't make sense.
1: No, no, you, you you can't. So
2: we'll integrate non-progressional evolution theory with God's creation of Eden. Eleven inherent metaphoric parallels already there. Eleven.
0: Metaphor. Prime
2: number. One goes into that 11, eleven times, but always comes out one. Noah's Ark is a problem. Really? We'll have to call it early quantum state phenomenon. Only way to fit five thousand species of mammal on the same boat. <laughs>
0: give me that she rips out a page from the bible river you don't fix the bible
2: it's broken it doesn't make sense
0: it's not about making sense it's about believing in
1: something and letting that belief be real enough to change your life it's about faith you don't fix
0: faith river It fixes you. I think that is one of the strongest ever clips I've seen in a science fiction, just outwardly saying, the Bible is broken. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. You know, so many other science fiction shows and movies kind of say that, but they do it in subliminal ways or by pushing certain ideas rather than pushing the Bible. But this one just outright says it. The Bible's broken. It needs to be fixed.
1: Noah's Ark is a problem.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Again, uh, we hear an example of someone taking their present knowledge and trying to interpolate it into the past. She says, that's Mm -hmm. the only way you can accommodate for 5,000 mammals fitting on the Ark. Right. Quantum fluctuation or something like that. And she's taking her current knowledge of how many different species of mammals there are Mm -hmm. and assuming that's how many there were back then. But we know that there's speciation, there's natural selection, variety within kind.
1: Right. And, and we only needed the kinds. We yeah.
0: Oh, we're getting off oh, onto yes. a topic. One
1: of our favorite topics, too, actually.
0: <laughs> now, it's it's just... Uh, Joss Whedon knew what he was doing when he put that in there. Obviously, oh, yeah. he's an atheist. So he... I think this is one of those times that this isn't just a statement made out of consistency with his own worldview. I think this is one of those deliberate statements he makes against religion because mm-hmm. in in movies we see things that people say or do just from what they believe
1: right and 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 you notice that the the man of god that he portrays has no real answer to mm-hmm. what river river has said he's like you don't fix faith But there's a lot of, I mean, God tells us in the scripture that we're supposed to be ready to give a defense for the hope that is in us, and and that doesn't just come apart as a wishy-washy way of, well, it's not broken, you don't have to fix it, kind of an answer. A
0: proverb is is full of scriptures that say, Mm -hmm. the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And it's obvious throughout scripture that God wants us to think logically and think correctly and to have an answer for Mm -hmm. these things, not just to say, oh, it's just faith, right? but to have a reason behind our faith. And we as Christians do. We have the Bible that is logical. God is the origin of all logic. And some people will disagree. And I know we got a letter from someone that said that they Mm -hmm. disagree with that, but we're going to say right here, God is the author and origin of logic. Without God, there is no Because without
1: God, there is chaos. And and logic is not a a product of chaos. So in order to think logically, we have to have order, and God is the God of order.
0: And we're going to see that in some of the characters that Mm we will discuss in a little bit. But you caught something else that completely... (laughs) <laughs> I missed it, totally.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a biblical reference. It it, I, it just blew my mind that it was even in there, and uh, I had to go back and grab the quote. So listen and see if you guys catch it.
0: There. Cost me my 30 coin. I got a news way for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, just to give you a point of where this is, this is Mr. Universe, and this is the operative has come, and uh, Mr. Universe has told the Serenity crew to come on, he's ready to send off their little message for him, and the operative is off screen, and when the message is over, he says, toss me my 30 coin. So,
0: betraying his friends. He
1: betrayed his friends for 30, for 30, coin. P- for 30, coin. 30 pieces of silver. Yeah. Sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs>
0: hmm. Yeah, that I completely missed that going through. And that you point that out, that's like, whoa. <laughs> Cool. But interesting. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, I mentioned that Serenity is a very realistic, like science fiction movie. And I wanted to talk about this briefly, is how realistic it is. Now, obviously, well, maybe it's not obvious to some, but the, the concept of traveling from planet to planet and traveling over the universe in these great distances, it's impossible. Right. It is physically, scientifically, everything is makes it impossible to travel at the speed of light or faster than the speed of light. Sorry if that disappoints you. Yes. So that aside though, I think many of the concepts that we would label as science fiction in Serenity are actually quite plausible. Because consider, for example, what this science fiction is lacking that almost all other science fictions have. there is no artificial intelligence taking over the world
1: right there 's no aliens yeah,
0: no aliens mm-hmm. at all there there isn 't stuff like teleporters or uh, whatever those uh, systems were the um, from Star Trek that would create stuff for people the oh, replicators replicators yeah. and uh, all of that there aren 't like stargates or any of this. It's a very realistic approach to science fiction. It's all humans, and they're out there in space. And even the concept of the Reavers, Mm -hmm. I would say, is realistic. Mm -hmm. And we'll, again, that's the second time that I've mentioned (laughs) that, but we'll talk about that more later. But I do want to bring up a couple things that... Uh, I have to question their realism, is the idea of terraforming. We see this in uh, Star Trek, one of the movies, Star Trek, and uh, we see it in the -hmm. Star Trek series. Making planets. Yeah, uh, making.
1: Planets habitable. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that um, just in, in, you know, what little investigating I've done into it. I'm not sure that there are planets out there that are inhabitable. I mean, terraforming requires creating an atmosphere and putting plants on and that kind of stuff. But a planet has to be so perfectly spaced from the sun. Mm -hmm. It it has, it's not just the condition of whether you have an atmosphere. It has to do with the distance from the sun, um, what kind of orbit it has, what kind of satellites it has. All of those kind of things have a lot to do with whether a planet is inhabitable or not. And what research has been done so far, I'm not sure they've ever found a planet that would be inhabitable.
0: Yeah, the closest thing would be Mars. And Mm -hmm. personally, I think we will have a base on Mars. Now, not like in the next couple years, but (laughs) if
1: Would take that long if to get the there. The world doesn't
0: completely end, <laughs> you know. Then I think I don't think it's outside the realm of plausibility to think that someday we might have a base on mm-hmm. Mars. But I don't think we could terraform an entire planet. Mm-hmm. That the process of creating an atmosphere. Now that I don't think that's really something we could do. Yeah, sure, we might have the. The a way of doing it someday. You
1: might be able to create the gases for an atmosphere, but whether right. you, the planet could hold the atmosphere because it has a lot to do with the magnetic balance yeah. of the planet. The, there are
0: so many there's other so factors. many things.
1: I mean, it's like our planet holds its atmosphere due to certain special, you know, particularities about our planet that holds an atmosphere. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't just go and throw gas at a planet and and it's suddenly, oh, I've got an atmosphere. You know.
0: <laughs> now I want to ask you a question, though a philosophical question. Should we populate other planets? Is it in God's command to man?
1: It's to part populate? of creation. I yeah. mean, if we were able to find a planet that was inhabitable, which I doubt, but if we were able to find a planet that was inhabitable, I think that it would there would be no theological problem with doing so.
0: Now, uh one of the Christian speakers that I really highly admire, Bill Jack, actually believes that it is part of God's command for us to populate other planets. Now, I look at Scripture, though, and I see Genesis one twenty-eight: God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish, and it goes on. I, I believe that man has dominion over creation. Mm-hmm. That's obvious in what God commands man and, and other things that God says. But I don't think necessarily that God commands us to go out and populate. The premise of Serenity, and in fact, let me just play the opening clip from Serenity. This is at the very start of the movie. It starts off with this. Earth that was could no longer sustain our numbers. We were so many. We found a new solar system. Dozens of planets and hundreds of moons. Each one terraformed, a process taking decades to support human life, to be new Earths. The central planets formed the Alliance. Ruled by an interplanetary parliament, the Alliance was a beacon of civilization. The savage outer planets were not so enlightened and refused Alliance control. The war was devastating. But the Alliance's victory over the independence ensured a safer universe. And now, everyone can enjoy the comfort and enlightenment of true civilization. So, I'm not so sure we'll ever overpopulate Earth. A lot of people want us to think so. Mm-hmm. But we're a long way from it. Now, Serenity takes place in the 26th century. So, if... Earth lasts until then, if God doesn't bring in the new heavens and new earth before then, then yeah, we might be in a situation where we're overpopulated or maybe not. That's, that's we'll see. That's a long time. Yeah. And we won't be around then. So <laughs> this podcast may not even be around then. It depends on how computing in the cloud is done that far into the future.
1: Ha ha
0: ha. But I want to bring up a topic of the alliance. And we see this concept in many science fictions where man gets to some point where there is no war, everyone is at peace with each other, and they form an alliance. In Star Trek, there's the Federation, United Federation of Planets. In Serenity, there's the Alliance, and the Joss Whedon explains it that this two Earth superpowers, America and China, finally make peace and combine together, and that's why there's a lot of Chinese throughout this movie. It's actually a form of, some people have called it a sloppy form of Mandarin. It seems like whenever they want to curse or get angry at someone, they always I think that's the way they Mandarin. got
1: around ratings, is so they, they could do all of their cursing in, in another language, so therefore they kept their ratings down. So. Yeah.
0: So it's the idea of a one-world government well one one world one one universe, universe oh. a universal government right. and we see that talked about in scripture but in a prophetic sense that man wants to seek this universal government not governed by god but governed by a single leader or a single council mm-hmm. an alliance We see something exactly the same happened historically, the Tower of Babel, in which man was of one mind to seek to do something they shouldn't have, try to achieve deity themselves in some sense. And so God then created the different languages to force them to separate. Mm -hmm. And I think to come back together like that in attempts to make a universal government is a violation of God's uh, command on us to spread out Mm. and also his uh, forcing us to spread out by the implementation of different languages and different cultures and people groups across the nations.
1: Yeah, and I don't necessarily see that it, the alliance has become very much i mean it's it's definitely a, a a universal power, but they don't have universal power over everybody. I think that's kind of the point of, of Firefly and serenity is that there are still the outlying people that mm-hmm. come roughly under the authority, but they're they're still the rebels, and they're they're living their own life. I mean, even the the town um, that they go to at the beginning of the movie has their own law enforcement.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're stealing the payroll.
0: The Alliance just doesn't have enough power to govern all of them, but there was a war once, and this is talked about a lot in Firefly Mm -hmm. the series, but it's also hinted in Serenity. There was a war for independence at one point against the Alliance, but that war was lost, and therefore the Alliance still maintained control. But the Alliance maintains control even beyond just government. Several times in Serenity, it's pointed out that the Alliance buries the truth, That the Alliance wants to make a utopia, and the Alliance wants to hide the truth from the people. And that's not what government should do, especially a universal government shouldn't be trying to hide the truth from people. Now, the main thing that you wanted to talk about in this is some of the the uh the deeper aspects of the characters yeah, i
1: really felt like the the main one of the main themes at least in the movie had had to do with belief i mean so much of the the characters were were it almost every character had something to do with belief in the movie and um uh the operative himself at the very beginning you, you see him talking about you know wanting to make a better world and and that is his belief through the whole um the whole movie. And and then in that context, you see um, people describing him as a believer or talking about belief. So I just wanted to very, you know, quickly um, just break this down a little bit. Um, one of the characters in, and our uh, commenter, Jeff had commented that Mal is patterned after Joss Whedon as an atheist. And I found that fascinating that he said that because when I looked at the movie, Mao was the most directionless person in the whole movie. He has no foundation for anything. He, he goes where the wind blows him. In fact, he even says that.
2: I got no rudder. Wind blows northerly. I go north. That's who I am.
1: Okay. So, guess what? Scripture has a lot to say about things like that. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 15, he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attained the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature man- manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of God, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So we are given teachers to keep us from being people who are tossed by every wind of doctrine. But atheists have no teachers. They have nothing they truly believe in. And so, therefore, they are uh, sails in a windy sea, basically. They're Mm -hmm. just going everywhere. And they don't have a rudder. I mean, he says himself he doesn't have a rudder.
0: Yeah, if you don't have an absolute standard, that's what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. his, his rudder, or lack thereof, is an absolute standard. He doesn't have one. Right. So, without one... Yeah, you have no specific direction.
1: And I think it's interesting because right after that quote, he's talking to Inara. And as if you've watched the TV show, you know that, they, that Inara and Mao have this kind of love-hate relationship that, that Cause causes them to argue all the time. Yeah. And Inara comes across as the civilized voice who's always trying to speak reason to him and counsel him. And, and he obviously doesn't want to hear reason or be counseled. He says to her, he says, you, you, you turn me around. You turn me all about. And that's because he doesn't have a rudder that's holding him still, so that when other people are counseling him, they turn him around and he gets dizzy, basically. And um, it's it's just he's directionless. So I I found that fascinating that to to compare him as being the um, the um, representation of atheism in in the story that that he is the one that is so extremely directionless. It sure doesn't make atheism look good,
0: does it? And yet, at the same time. Mal has this uh, underlying principle that humans do have value. Like all throughout the series and even in Serenity, he has some level of care for River in that he doesn't want River to be harmed. He wants to try and protect River, although he kind of tries to conceal that at points. But he does value human life.
1: And it's interesting that that even you you come about on that because he doesn't even understand why he does that because Jane makes a comment to him when when he brings River back on the boat. He's like, wasn't where I went to the part that, you know, that she was getting off and staying off, you know, and and Mal brought her back on and he's like, why did you do that? And he just kind of looks at Jane like, "Uh, I don't know why I did that. He's directionless. He, he doesn't really know what he believes. And, and, and then there's a, there's a comment later on where he's talking to Shepard Book about belief. I have a way. Is that better than a plan? Only one thing's going to walk you through this mouth. Belief.
2: You know, I always look to you for counsel, but sermons make me sleepy, Shepard. I ain't looking for help from on high. That's a long wait for a train don't come. When I talk about belief, why do you always assume I'm talking about God?
1: Okay, there's actually quite a bit in that quote. Um... Number one, Shepard Book actually does say Belief there. I know it doesn't sound like... It sounds like
0: he says Adif, like the name of a god or something, but (laughs) yeah, it's Belief.
1: It's Belief. I I think they edited that wrong or something, because no matter how many times you listen to it, it doesn't sound like he's saying Belief. But um, if you look at the captions for the movie, he he said Belief. Mm -hmm. First of all, Mal says he doesn't want to trust on high because it's a long wait for a train that don't come. I wonder if he's ever actually tried trusting in God. (laughs)
0: Um, well, we do know that the war has changed him. Somehow mm-hmm. we see that throughout it, that the, the fact that he lost in the war, the war for independence, that the side that was fighting for independence and freedom lost, mm-hmm. really broke him and changed his perspective on belief.
1: I guess if you don't have a rudder and, and and obviously he's been turned loose in a sea of very windy sea and he doesn't know where he's going, but he didn't have a rudder that was strong enough to guide him through the storms of life. And Mm -hmm. so he's become directionless because of that. That's not in, uh, in any way saying that God doesn't exist and God wasn't there for Mal. It's that Mal obviously didn't hold on to God through the storms of life. So yeah, shepherd book, obviously he says, when, when I'm, when I talk about belief, why do you always assume I'm talking about God? Of course I, I, I'm a little annoyed with the Shepherd books <laughs> character because uh he he doesn't really seem to uh quite be able to defend his belief in God and he, mm-hmm. he, he and obviously an atheist created this character so maybe he thinks that's the way believers really are, but he doesn't have he never comes back. With, from these questions with good answers. In fact, in Shepard's book, when he's dying, he actually tells Mal, "It's like, I don't care what you believe, just believe it.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was really stunned by that. I'm like, okay, well, doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe it.
0: For a man who claims to hold to absolutes, he's pushing a relativistic worldview.
1: Right. So, obviously they should have gotten a real Christian in there to, to write Shepherd book.
0: <laughs> They're never going to do that.
1: <laughs> because they got it all wrong. Um, another character that is presented, actually the character in the movie that's presented as being a believer is the operative. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a name for him. That's all he is in the, in the movie is the operative. In fact, when he's asked his name, he says he doesn't have one. Inara um, describes him And I think her description is probably the best, wraps it up pretty tightly. Because he's a believer. He's intelligent, methodical, and devout in his belief that killing River is the right thing to do. Okay, so he's a devout believer. What does he believe in?
0: The Alliance, I think. Not some kind of faith.
1: Now, what does he say he believes in? Oh, yeah. I believe in something greater than myself. God? A better world.
0: Oh.
2: A world without sin. So me and mine gotta lay down and die so you can live in your better world? I'm not going to live there.
1: There's no place for me there any more than there is for you, Malcolm. I'm a monster. What I do is evil. I have no illusions about it, but it must be done.
0: The number of contradictions in that statement are staggering.
1: Yeah. To me, one of the things that popped out is that he's he's being the judge, jury, and executioner mm-hmm. of people who do not follow his faith or are sin sinful. In fact, he asks every everybody he kills. He always says, "You know what your sin is, yeah, you know." And I'm like, he, and he believes himself is he's the sinner. He's he's the one that he does evil things, and that the perfect world can't include him. How does a sinner be a just god, a just judge? over other sinners.
0: And he even said that he's a monster and he does these bad things, but he believes he's doing that to
1: bring a get a rid of,
0: of bad things and get rid of monsters and bring in a utopia. How does sin bring in a utopia?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a horrendous contradiction.
0: It's like, I'm going to pour acid into my milkshake to make a better milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try that at home.
1: <laughs> Please. Oh, so anyway, the operative obviously is a strong believer. Um and I think that that is another instance. And and we actually the movie actually brings out at the end that that he his belief is shaken. And he's such a strong believer through the whole movie and then in the end Mao gives him a picture of what a sinless world looks like and that obviously cracks his belief, his faith in the alliance. And he he's not their man anymore. So, you can believe in the wrong things, and perhaps that's the sole redeeming message of this movie, is, is that people can believe in the wrong things. And I say that as a redeeming, that's a redeeming message, because we have so many people in the world who believe things. And in, in our relative world, they believe, oh, as long as you believe something, yeah, you're okay.
0: Just believe it.
1: Just believe it, Yes. And that was what Shepherd Book said. Just All, believe it.
0: Although you know, in our world today, it's as long as you believe something other than Christianity, just, just believe, believe it, it
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> so that that is probably the sole redeeming message of the movie is is that um, at least they show that that you can believe in the wrong things and have your beliefs set straight. So uh, obviously, government is not the thing to believe in
0: i would say there are there is another redeeming perspective of the movie but i'll get to that after we finish discussing this uh, point okay simon uh, river's brother also had some uh, belief or some direction Mm -hmm. in his own life
1: right yeah and of course his sole direction that we see in the tv show and and in the movie is protecting river Mm -hmm. i don't think he's thought beyond that
0: and well, okay, this is. I can go ahead and get into that point mm-hmm. that I said I uh, would wait until after we're done with this. Is I would say that one of the redeeming values in this movie is Simon's absolute total love and dedication to his sister. That he loves her unconditionally. He risks everything of his own mm-hmm. for her safety. Right. And like he said, that. He even later alludes to the fact that he completely threw away anything that he wanted mm-hmm. just for River's sake. That he had no plan in life except to keep River safe. That that total dedication, that commitment of love to his sister, I think is a redeeming quality in this movie. That we see him so focused and giving up so much. I can see that. So there are two redeeming qualities to this <laughs>
1: We're finding a few. Uh, there, there are lots of discussions about direction in the movie. And uh, I thought it was also interesting when, when they are arguing over uh, having River on board that it's uh, Wash who's, who comes up and says,
2: We're flying a lot blinder than usual here.
0: We need to get our bearings. I think we need to talk to Mr. Universe. Okay. <laughs>
1: So instead of when we're flying blind, uh, who do we go and talk to when we can't find our bearings? God,
0: no. Mr. Universe? <laughs> Mr.
1: Universe, yeah.
0: <laughs> Which is like a character that supposedly knows everything and he, he's so prideful in that fact that he sees the signal and mm-hmm. he even says, There is no news. There's the truth of the signal. What I see. And there's the puppet theater. The Parliament Jester's voice from a somnambulant public, and then he adds, "You can't stop the signal," mm-hmm. which, by the way, is the website for Serenity the movie. You can't stop the signal dot com, I think.
1: Yeah, that was when the fans mm. tried to keep it going. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. That's where they, uh, where that came from.
0: So he, uh, and he also, this,
1: he also has this quote. I think this is good too.
0: Everything goes somewhere, and I go everywhere.
1: They're really presenting Mr. Universe as being very godlike,
0: yeah, and calling him Mr. Universe, Universe, yeah yeah it's it's kind of crazy in that sense that they portray so much that there isn't direction and such, and then here's this guy that like knows everything, everything. <laughs> and is very godlike
1: and of course he's the one that plays the judas card and 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 gets yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> messes things up and then though he tries to redeem himself in the end by leaving a secret message right. for mal
1: which the operator heard too he ought to have had it, should have made it where it only played for mal <laughs> he was dying once. i guess he didn't have much time
0: yeah it's hard to think through these things when you die well you know what we don't want our listeners to die from listening to a podcast that is multiple hours long oh no
1: we, are- we went too long again <laughs>
0: <laughs> we get into these things, and it shows our passion for these movies, and that's mm-hmm. something that one of my new friends, Jeff Roney of RoneyZone.com, mentioned recently when uh, he mentioned us in mm-hmm. another podcast that he said that he loves, that we love the movies and we enjoy mm-hmm. the movies. We're not right. just here ripping the movies apart and saying <laughs> the stuff that I noticed certain other uh, Christian movie reviewers totally don't like certain movies at all, or like mm-hmm. any movies at all. But... We enjoy this movie, and so we can get into it and we talk about it. And of course, this is our passion of viewing things through a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. So we can go on and on. And we're not going to try and do that much longer, because we're going to need to break this up into two parts again.
1: <laughs> Sorry, folks.
0: So let's go ahead and wrap this up. And I just want to remind you that if you're not subscribed, please subscribe through the website. There are lots of ways to do it. Pick one that works right. for you.
1: Yes. And don't forget to donate.
0: Yeah. Uh, we would love your support. Help us upgrade our equipment. Special thanks again to Michael, who recently supported us with a donation.
1: And we do want your comments, too.
0: Yeah, so much more valuable mm-hmm. than donations, as we would love to hear your feedback. You can call us at 859-353-4332. Leave a comment on the website, areyoujustwatching.com slash podcast slash 004. Or you can email us at areyoujustwatching.com
1: we love to read your comments or even hear them please the the audio ones are very nice yeah
0: send us that too like Jeff did that he Mm -hmm. recorded it in his own studio and also if you want to follow us on Twitter you can follow the show Are You Just Watching that's twitter.com slash are you just watching and there because of the limitation it's just the letters are you and then the words just watching I'm on Twitter as twitter.com slash the ramen noodle
1: and I'm Eve Franklin on Twitter
0: yeah when you're on it
1: yes I'm trying I'm trying (laughs) so
0: thank you very much for listening we hope you'll join us again next time as we continue this discussion of serenity and we'll end up just picking up where we left off right so for now I'm Daniel Lewis and
1: I'm Eve Franklin
0: thanks for listening
1: and don't just watch
0: Are You Just Watching is produced and sponsored by D. Joseph Design at djosephdesign.com The opening vocal talent is thanks to Mariah. Our theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis from their exciting Vacation Bible School curriculum, Operation Space, which you can find at AnswersVBS.com.